What is going on, my beautiful self-improver? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. You know what time it is. It is a self-improvement sit-down. In these self-improvement sit-down interviews, I bring on world-leading guests who are experts in their field and I tap into their knowledge. We talk about concepts that can't possibly be covered in the usual two-minute episodes I release every weekday. If you haven't heard one of those before, then be sure to check it out. But for now, let's dive into a great conversation about mindset, gratitude, and taking action. This is Self-Improvement Sit-Down number 43 with Ricky Mendez. And we are live. Today's guest is Ricky Mendez. As a former professional baseball player and elite salesperson, Ricky has a rock solid mindset. He's an incredible and emerging speaker, but he's not motivational. He's not inspirational. He's implementational, meaning that those who he interacts with feel conditioned and prepared to take action in their life. It's not about feeling good. It's about getting results. We've got a lot to geek out about today when it comes to productivity, behavior change, and overall life happiness. Ricky, really appreciate you making the time. What a pleasure to chat with you today, my brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Yeah. Um, something that we definitely share is the value of action over, over just like saying you want to do something, but actually getting yourself to do it. And, you know, I really gravitate toward the term implementation as well. I just hosted a workshop on it. So there's a lot that we can um, talk about. But first, just hearing from you. So just kind of knowing what you've learned um, throughout your life, you know, I found that we have observed a lot of the same things when it comes to creating change. And it's not just about knowing what to do. It's about applying it and testing it and like really going for it. Right. So putting yourself out there in a lot of cases, can you share a little bit about what you've learned when it comes to taking action and why it's so hard for people to do why it's so hard to get started? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, one of my dear mentors, Weldon Long told me success. It's not a knowledge problem. Exactly what you said. We know what to do. We just, we just don't do it on a consistent basis. Um, so for me, it's really just starting small and understanding that the universe does not reward scale. It will reward consistency. So we get enamored with scale. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'll tell you right now, my business is blowing up because people want to eat lettuce, run 10 miles a day and meditate for four hours a day. That's people's like kind of scale when they think when they want to change their lifestyle, but it has nothing to do with scale. It has everything to do with consistency. So when, when you look at the brain and quantum physics and, and neuroplasticity, it, it's about the same thing over and over again. It doesn't matter how big of scale it is. It just matters on consistency. So that right there always gave me like, it gave me a little bit of um, more inspiration or hope because I was like, okay, I don't have to go such big scale. All I got to do is find a little niche of what I can do every single day, whether it's 30 seconds or five minutes or 10 minutes but it's cumulative that adds up. But people, I think we want results yesterday and we don't give it time to either manifest or come or, you know, let, let it kind of facilitate its way out. But for me, it's just a reminder to start small. It adds up over time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And something is better than nothing. I think that's like a lot of people realize like, oh man, I can't do this. Or I don't feel like it. And then they just kind of leave the idea completely. But it's a matter of just, because it's so much like the psychology of it, like really returning to, hey, this is the intention I set. This is the discipline I want to practice. And it doesn't need to be a hundred percent. It can be 5%, but it all, it all counts. Right. And I think that's something that's really overlooked. 
But you mentioned something interesting, which I would love to tap into, which is kind of the neurochemistry and psychology of consistency, you know, because there really is some, some proven evidence and science behind that. And I'd love for you to kind of share what you were referencing when yeah. uh, you mentioned that. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm a, a layman's here and it's just something I'm, I'm obsessed Perfect. with. But when you look at, when you look at neuroplasticity and it's just, we, we can literally rewire our brains and it doesn't have to do with skills. So if we think the same, you know, when you would think the same thing over and over and over and over again, it's going to go to a part of our brain called the hypothalamus and that creates a chemical, good chemical or bad chemical. That chemical is going to make us feel good or bad. If it makes us feel good, we'll likely take the action that we're going to take. If it makes us feel bad, we're likely not going to take it. So we're able to set ourselves up to get the action, but we're, I don't focus on the action. I focus on the thought that's going to create an emotional state that will get me to the action. And I think that's where people make a mistake is they measure the action and the results because it's tangible. We can see it. And, but we don't understand a lot of the times that everything that we don't see will drive everything that we can see. Mm. So, and that's, that's something that I just, I look at over and over. I mean, you look at how many thoughts we have a day between 50, 70,000, every one of them is going to secrete a chemical. That means every single thought that we have is going to empower us or disempower us. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is we get to choose. So every single second of every single day, we're going to choose something that empowers us or something that doesn't. And it just, we can go down either rabbit hole. It's our choice. One that empowers us or one that doesn't. And if we go down the one that empowers us over and over and over and over again, we literally become a different person, neurochemically, biochemically, biologically. And we just carry an energy and an aura that's different and that people, in my experience, want to be around. Mm -hmm. I know how I feel when I'm around somebody that is on a different energy, vibration, frequency, whatever the hell label we want to give it. But it's something that you just, you want to be around that person. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's kind of how that, that adds up. Totally. It does. And the way that you're describing it, you know, you've, you've heard it and I've heard it so many different ways, you know, like Heather Monahan calls it either you're creating confidence or it's chipping away at you or Mark divine calls it, you know, the courage wolf or the fear wolf. And which one do you feed? You know, so there's all of these decisions, but ultimately it comes down to that bifurcation of, is this something that I want to do that is serving me in a positive way? Or is this something that is actually threatening me? And I'm trying to trying to figure out exactly how to rationalize this and be okay with it, you know? So it's like, it really is our choice. And there's so much power when it comes to that choice. And you referenced something which um, I think deserves a little bit more of an elaboration too. You know, you kind of referenced your um, philosophy when it comes to thoughts, feelings, actions, and results, and how that kind of is a cascade that gets you kind of where you want to go. Would you mind elaborating on kind of those four different pillars and how they all relate together? Yeah. Um, and again, from a really basic standpoint, I make this joke a lot. So my, my full name is Ricardo Alberto Mendez, and I got a C minus in college Spanish. So <laughs> it might not be the rightest ball out there. But I, I, if someone shares something with me and they says, this will increase the quality of your life, I'm going to try it, especially mm -hmm. with somebody that I trust. So when we look at a layman's kind of perspective of quantum physics, it's really just the field of possibility. And when we talk about energy, people think energy is bio, they think it's from the outside in. It's not, it's from the inside out and biochemically and biologically. So everything that we do and everything that we are starts with a thought. Everything started with a thought. Anything that you look at, anything that was constructed, the computer that we're on, this phone that we have, this piece of paper, it was a thought first. So that's in my, the way I look at it is that's the origin of everything. And that thought is very simple. It's going to put me in an emotional state. I can decide to be, I am excited for today because I, there's endless possibility. I can ask for help. I can activate the greatest skill on the planet. I can actually go and do the things and the goals and dreams that I have and want to do because somebody's done it before. It's possible. 
So I can choose to put myself in that state or I can choose to be a victim and say, the world is falling apart. I have no chance to be successful. I'm pissed at this, I'm pissed at that. And either one is my choice. So the first one gets me inspired in, 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 a, in a state that is empowering. The other one, the latter, puts me in a disempowering state. I know what I need to do to be successful. It's not rocket science. We can go on YouTube and figure anything the hell out we want today. So the question is, why don't we do it? And I believe it's because we have a happiness problem. I think the world has a happiness problem and we're putting ourselves in disempowering states. We're listening to the news. We're listening to the bullshit. We're listening to all the fear. We're listening to all the I can't stuff. And it's, it's cumulative. So as we do that with thoughts that we think are gonna trigger an emotional state to put it in the most simplest, most basic definitions, it's gonna put us in a positive state or a negative state. If it's in a positive state, we'll do the things that we need to do to, to get to where we wanna go. If it's in a negative state, we don't. And we do that over and over and over and over again, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, seven days a week. And then we wonder why we're pissed off and frustrated. Mm. Well, what's the narrative we've been telling ourselves over and over and over and over again? I think that's why associations and network is so damn important. Um, but that thought is gonna trigger an emotional state. That emotional state sets us up to take the action that we know we need to take. So, so many people are focused on the tangible and what you can see. I can see your action. I can sure as hell see your result. What I cannot see is what you're thinking and how you're feeling. We mask that. The worst part is we throw it on social media and we mask the hell out of how we're feeling. And for whatever reason, I'm the guy that a lot of people come to when they're struggling. And what I hear and see, and then what I see on social media is completely the opposite. So not only can we not see what we feel, we're masking it for the world, which is in more in disempowering state because we know we're not being authentic to our true self. But the great thing is we can reverse engineer that um, just starting with having a more empowering dialogue with ourselves. Absolutely. No, and I, I think you're touching on something which I've been thinking a lot about, which is kind of this happiness pandemic, you know, <laughs> amidst a larger pandemic. But part of the reason being is that we have an issue of who we want to be and how we want to identify. And ultimately that comes back to this concept of our need to belong. And I think that so often, especially on social media, we feel this pressure to be a certain person so that we're perceived as we belong. And what that does is it keeps us from being vulnerable. And without vulnerability, we cannot connect and we cannot show our true skin, right? Our true colors. And I think there's something that kind of like we all kind of shy away in a sense from this ability to be vulnerable, to be self-expressed because we don't want people to judge us in certain ways. And again, those judgments kind of come from other people and, you know, and, and the way that you almost project your own insecurities, your own issues, you know? So like there's a very complicated kind of psychological mess that's going on. And you're right. Like the, the unfortunate consequence is like happiness itself, but what, you know, kind of coming back to this TFAR thoughts, feelings, actions, results, you know, I think that's so powerful to talk about how you choose the origin of this cascade, which is what is your thought? And that is completely within your control. That is a conscious choice. Often, sometimes it's subconscious, but how do you bring awareness to the subconscious is kind of the next level of that. But then ultimately, you just get yourself on this path to perform because you start feeling the right way to take the right action to generate the right result that closes the feedback loop. And then you're doing it again, right? So that's, that's super powerful to like really focus on the thought, like really what's in your control. It's the thought. And then let the rest of it almost play out on a script, which is super powerful. And you kind of something that's inherent to that, that you referenced is, you know, how that almost replaces willpower and discipline to some extent, right? Because the decisions made in advance, like you just are kind of on this path. How do you see those two different topics, you know, willpower and discipline? How does that interface with our psychology? And like, how does, how does that kind of either 
inhibit us or accelerate the right decisions we want to make? Yeah, willpower, man, I think I, I try to rely on about 10% willpower and about 90% mental conditioning. Mm. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's the inverse of what people try to do because people, and look, we're going to find out in the next two weeks because my phone is exploding with people who want to get in shape. And I know <laughs> no matter what I say or what I do, a lot of times in two weeks, there's going to be falling off. So my whole challenge is, look, be the person who's doing the same thing July 1st, not just January 1st. So it's something because we rely on willpower, it's exhaustible resource. It's like a light bulb. It will run out. It's a battery that will run out at some point. So it's just, it, for me, it comes down to practice. And the more I can, you know, the brain's an organ, but it acts like a muscle. The more I use it to convert energy and I can take it again from super simplicity, take negative energy and translate it and convert it into positive energy. And people say, well, Ricky, you know, um, you know, and this is what I've got. We want some real talk right now. I have gotten, you know, I've been called annoyingly positive and unreal optimist. I don't look at limitations. And my answer is you're absolutely damn right. I don't look at limitations. I'm gonna look to potential and I'm gonna look to possibility. And people are like, oh, that's just Ricky. He's just positive. I'm saying, no asshole. I work on it every day, literally every single day. So I think there's so many ways to convert energy. And I'll, I'll give you one little hack that I use um, is Viktor Frankl. So if you, if you look at man's search for meaning, I mean, the guy was in a death camp. And his, his mother, his father, and his wife were burned alive. Just that right there. So when I go down a rabbit hole of getting kicked in the teeth, I have just as many challenges as anybody else, right? So when the challenges come and we, we get kicked in the teeth, I ask myself, and what I'm going through, is it a Viktor Frankl problem? No, it's not. It automatically stops my bitching and complaining in its tracks. Now I have the ability to start to convert that energy because I have a damn perspective that says, oh, wait a minute, asshole, you're alive. You have a pulse. You know how many people had goals and dreams yesterday that didn't make it till today? So I don't, I don't allow myself to take that for granted. Mm -hmm. um, and every day I read a gratitude poem. So in, in gratitude is something that it, it's talked about so often, but it's so often overlooked because of its simplicity. But people say, oh, that can't mean that much. Well, try it. <laughs> try it for 30 days and then 60 and then 90 and then see if you're the same person, if you do it consistently. So I think it's just a matter of starting to like really be aware and then start to convert the energy from negative to positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned in gratitude, like that is absolutely something I want to touch on because it's something that's changed my life. It's changed yours. It's something that we both kind of hold as a cornerstone of our, our mindset and perspective. But, you know, you, you referenced something cool, which is like the ability to transform energy. And, and that's something that gratitude is one of the most effective things at doing. But also, you know, there's a, a really good quote that I've heard you say, which is a Napoleon Hill quote, which is, you know, the seed of equal or great benefit is about kind of reframing anything negative into a positive. And that Viktor Frankl example is just true evidence of that, right? Like that we really do. And again, that kind of goes back to the thought of like, hey, this happened. Now, what thought am I choosing to have? And you are kind of giving us a masterclass almost on like how to implement this specific philosophy. I want to go back because you mentioned that you're 90% mental conditioning and 10% willpower. So that 90% mental conditioning, a lot of that is kind of inherent to like the systems that you're creating in your life and your physical implementation and how you can kind of prime yourself to be a certain way. So I guess like when it comes to that implementation, you gave us one example of like how you're practicing uh, gratitude on a frequent basis, but what other things do you do whether it's on a daily basis or on a case by case basis that are physical examples of like, Hey, this is me practicing, um, this, this mental conditioning that you referenced. 
Yeah, I, and I think you also hit it right on the head. Napoleon Hill, a seat of equivalent benefit. He said there was a seat of equivalent benefit to everything. He didn't say it was seat of equivalent benefit to when it's all rainbows and ice cream. <laughs> so that first thing is awareness is like anybody can thrive when it's all rainbows and ice cream and rainbows and puppy dogs and, and it's all great, right? That's why I think 2020 is the greatest time, 2021, the greatest time in human history to be alive. Because here it is. If we truly believe strength grows through struggle, here's an opportunity. So there's lots of different little, I call prosperity habits or brain hacks, but I mean, one of them is literally right in front of me. On my wall, I have WWYMD, what would your mentor do? So when I start bitching and complaining, I have people like Tom Bilyeu, Lisa Bilyeu, Cole Hatter, John Assaraf, Mel Robbins, Carolina Pratsenko, Shanda Sumter, Lisa Nichols, Bob Proctor, and I am going through a challenge, what would they do? If, I, if I'm having a challenge with this and I'm having a struggle converting it, what would they do? And everybody would deal with it differently, but it gives me a smorgasbord of options rather than saying, oh, woe is me. Oh, this sucks. Oh, you know, you know, the challenges that I'm having, I can't overcome. So that's one. I just simply ask the people that I look up to, how would they deal with this problem? Um, Victor Frankl is one. And then just the exercise of what is the seed of equivalent benefit? What is it? Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I go down the road and saying, why is this happening for me? What is the potential upside here? Well, how can I convert this energy from negative to positive? What lesson am I supposed to learn? If I ask myself those questions, it's gonna be a hell of a lot better than why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? Either way, I get to choose, at least I get to dive down a rabbit hole. I'm glad that I get to dive down a rabbit hole of empowerment. Mm -hmm. um, and just what I literally just did in real time, I try not to say the word at least. So whenever I do, I substitute it at least with, I'm glad that. So mm -hmm. instead of saying at least, which is minimalistic, 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 all the time, people will say that all the time. Well, at least I wasn't hurt. At least I saw my job, at least this, at least that. I'm glad that is a whole different energy frequency or vibration to me. So these little things that we use on a consistent basis, they add up. Now, people mm -hmm. might do one of these things one time and say, I'm still negative. <laughs> no, it's every single day and it's a consistent, consistent implementation process. Now, over time, I've been reading my gratitude poem every morning so for five years. I've missed two days, two days, January 6, 2016 and January 27, 2020. Mm -hmm. Two days out of five years, I've missed it. So I am literally programmed now to see the world under a different light. So when the challenges come, my brain goes really quickly and it finds the seed of equivalent benefit. Sometimes it takes a day, sometimes it takes two seconds, but it happens a lot faster than what it used to. Yeah. And I can totally attest to that. Like when it comes to gratitude, it presents itself and it actually creates real results quicker than you'd expect. Like, I think it was about a month of, you know, I did the challenge with David Meltzer, you know, say thank you morning and night for 30 days. And with, after those 30 days, I'm like, wow, like the way that I'm seeing things change is that's Wayne Dyer, right? If you change the way you look at things, then the things you look at change, right? So I'm like, it's real. Like, and that is, again, like these are things that you can implement, but you got to put in the work. You got to be consistent with it because it's not going to happen overnight. You've got to recondition, you know, we're talking about recondition. You got to recondition your mind to think through that. And I think, I think it's so cool kind of what you described about your specific um, kind of practice when it comes to what would your mentor do? Because that's definitely in alignment with what I teach, which is systems implementation. It's about putting in the work upfront to be able to create an environment around the target behavior or the target thought that you want to generate. So what you did is you took the 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it was to get the pictures of the people that you wanted up on your wall so that now subconsciously and with minimal effort, you can access that. Mm -hmm. So you had to kind of forfeit 
that like short-term reward for like the long-term investment. But now you have that system working on repeat because it's just part of your environment. And I think that is the most effective way to implement is to implement specific systems that bring you to the target behavior rather than relying on that willpower and discipline to bring yourself to that target behavior. And that's again, like that originated with the thought of, I wanted to do this thing. How can I create this in my reality? How can I make it easier moving forward? It, it really is a hack, like understanding that like your mind really is so moldable and so plastic. Like you, you have an opportunity to create every single moment. It's really special. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a fun road to go down too. And it takes practice just like anything else. But when you, you start to feel like you have power over a lot of situations, not that the challenges don't come and not that some of them are harder than others, but you start to have like this awareness and this power. Like I bet I, I can handle this a hell of a lot better than I did even a week ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And, and with that in mind, you know, that kind of leads into the next you know portion of this, which is specifically your perspective and using gratitude as a perspective. You know, we're talking about this seed of equivalent benefit, but, you know, specifically, and we've talked about how tough it is specifically within the face of fear and rejection and failure, you know, even you say, don't accept failure, but embrace it, right? Because there's a lesson in it, you know, like, there is so much perspective that is difficult to cultivate. So when someone maybe who isn't kind of conditioned, they aren't in this normal kind of response pattern to be able to see the positive side of things. What is one practice or one way that people can in the moment or short term kind of try and reframe and, and see fear or rejection or failure as more of an opportunity? Because so many people struggle with that, including myself. I mean, yeah, and we all do. I, I think the greatest book on persistence and I think the greatest sales book on rejection um, ever written is Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and it's just something that, you know, you show me one person who's never failed. I'll show you somebody who hasn't done shit. They haven't done shit with their lives. You show me somebody who's failed and failed. That person's tough. That person is going to be resilient. That person has developed muscles in their brain and their body to stay on, along the road of persistence. And we all know if we stay in the game long enough to wherever we want to go, we'll win. Over a long enough time frame, we win. So persistence is really half of the game. So how do we develop persistence? I think we embrace failure. Not that we're necessarily happy it happened, but it's a feedback mechanism. All it is is teaching us something so we can adjust and pivot. And I know a lot of people hear this analogy, but it's so true. When you were a little kid and you were learning to walk and you fell down, did your parents tell you, no, stop, stay down. Don't try to walk anymore. We, none of us would be able to walk because we would never learn the skill through struggle. So if we truly think that strength grows through struggle, then it's simply opportunity. Rejection is simply an adaptation response. And it's, at, it's, a, it's a place to go to, to get feedback so I can make adjustments, so I can stay on the path of persistence to get to where I want to go. So it's really like, and not that that makes it easier, but it makes us stay in the game longer because it's, we're not so fearful of it. We're not so fearful of rejection. Now mm -hmm. we start to have power over it rather than it having a power over us. And my goodness, as we grow up and we get kicked in the teeth, the world tells us and the ego gets in the way and we think it's, you know, we're, we're getting embarrassed or whatever the case. And we just stop trying. And I know Dave gave me this hack all the time, but if, if whatever your goals and dreams are, if you were a thousand no's away or a thousand rejections away, how would you feel at no number 568 or no 918? We'd be pumped because we'd be making progress, but we don't even get to like no three or we don't get to direct rejection to number three. Hmm. So it's just, it's just, again, just reframing kind of how, how we look at that and get excited about it. Yeah. And I think also understanding the root of that fear, like when you talk about the fear of rejection, like what does that represent and why is that so 
Um, why is that so difficult and um, threatening to so many people? And I think, again, it kind of comes back to this like desire to be liked and loved and part of the tribe. But the reality is, is the expectation that you hold yourself to compared to the expectation others hold you to is completely different. And you view failure as like, oh man, people are going to think that I'm less valuable and now I'm jeopardizing all the things I've worked so hard to build. But the reality is, is like your failure is you demonstrating that you're trying and people acknowledge that and they recognize that and they actually find value and are inspired by that. So it's, it's funny how we can have this one rationalization strategy that's protecting us from that discomfort when in reality, it's actually an opportunity to grow relationships and to, to be impressive and to stand out from the pack, you know, and, and that's something that I'm definitely taking into 2021. My intention this year is to get uncomfortable and really to put myself into situations where I can fail and I already have, and it's only you no know, December 4th and I already have, but yeah, but that's, that's kind of the point is like, how can we, how can we end up kind of inviting that in a more, uh, and, and make that kind of conversation, that internal dialogue, a little bit more approachable, mm-hmm. um, which, which you've done through repetition and through this mental conditioning and through experiencing it. Right. And I think gratitude plays an important role within that. Absolutely. And I think it's important too, like when you talk about people liking and loving you, I think that, that starts with you. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you like and love yourself? Do you feel good about yourself? Tom always says, when you feel good about yourself, when you're by yourself. So if we like and love ourselves first, then we can go to the exterior. Then we can be set up to be able to, you know, receive love from other people. Mm. That's a nugget. You got to feel good about yourself when you're by yourself. I think that's the ultimate test of mm-hmm. like self-love. That's great. Absolutely. All right, Ricky, this has been amazing you yeah you're absolutely killing it but i want i want to kind of make sure that this really lands and how i like ending the podcast is to try and highlight if if anyone were to kind of implement or take something from this conversation you know what is that one highlight the one thing that people need to understand um, moving forward into 2021 get grateful get grateful it's the greatest time in human history to be alive we'll never have another opportunity like this i don't think at least in our lifetimes to acquire new skills expand our minds to what's possible in our life and business, but also to grow relationship capital. There is more opportunity now than ever before. And I would suggest take one thing that drives you up the wall and write a three line gratitude poem. Just one. I am grateful period for whatever challenge it is because what you learned from it. Mm. So that's just basically a, a model that I've used. So, and I'll give you an example. One thing that drove me nuts was a screaming baby on the plane. Like I freaking couldn't stand it. So I said, I am grateful, period, for the screaming baby on the plane, period, because it means that I can hear. And it just completely changed everything because how many deaf people would, would kill to hear, to hear that screaming baby? And here I am taking something so simple for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably my number one implementation hack uh, to just find ways to start to convert energy. That's awesome. And not to extend this conversation, but you touched on something that I've definitely found to be valuable in my life, which is, you know, gratitude is kind of this topic. It's like, oh yeah, I'm grateful for the trees. I'm grateful for my breath. And like, you know, all of that's important, but something that you really do is you kind of like, you look at the challenge side of gratitude. So it's not just the good that's going on. It's, it's seeing the bad and inviting the bad and trying to reframe that. And that's something that when I do my morning gratitude, I specifically choose things that are challenging me and forcing myself. And I think maybe that's because it just accelerates the learning curve and kind of like the adoption of how that becomes part of your mindset. But yeah, would you mind finishing just kind of like talking about specifically the challenge side of gratitude and how there's kind of two sides of the coin? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I had to think of an attitude of gratitude for Thanksgiving 
because everybody's grateful on Thanksgiving. And then the day after Thanksgiving, it stops. And that drives me nuts. So I had to think of an attitude of gratitude for that. But it's again, it's it's easy to be grateful when it's all rainbows and ice cream. And when the economy's thriving and everything's great, it, it's easy to be grateful. It's easy to be grateful for the easy stuff. It's a challenge. That's like kind of saying, well, I'm going to run, you know, 10 miles, but I'm going to run it going downhill, optimal conditions, perfect weather. You know, the reason why people run hills to get in shape is because it's harder. So when we use gratitude in a way to convert energy from the crap to the good stuff, now it's when it's most impactful. It's when the, it's when the most emotional, which is good. It's when the most, it really develops us when it's through struggle and challenges rather than just being like, you know, oh, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that because it's really easy. But when we use it for the challenging stuff and the harder stuff, now it becomes a heck of a lot more useful in our life. Such a good tip. Yeah. It's not just about celebrating your wins, but also working through your losses, you know, and that's kind of part of that philosophy. Ricky, this is amazing. I'm super excited for your future. Um, you, you have a way of communicating these things in a way that people can understand and not only understand, but also feel motivated and inspired to take action from it, which makes you an elite implementational speaker. So I appreciate you. I'm excited to continue growing a relationship with you and, uh, and cheers. Cheers to 2021. 2021, baby. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There you have it. That was Ricky Mendez. Ricky's matter of fact perspective is really compelling, especially given how he backs it up every single day through his own thoughts and choices. We started off talking about the value of consistency and how our brains respond best to frequent habitual actions. We then talked about how thoughts lead to feelings, lead to actions, which lead to results, and how we just need to choose our thoughts to leverage this cascade for good. Then we talked about failure and rejection and how seeing gratitude in every situation, especially the bad, sets you up to make the most out of life. If you couldn't already tell, Ricky is the man, and he's got an amazing free opportunity for you. Through consistency and resilience, Ricky has built a relationship with Impact Theory's Tom and Lisa Bilyeu, and he's hosting both of them for a free event in just a couple of days on January 12th. If you want to register for the free event and gain access to this exclusive opportunity, then click the link in the description of this episode to reserve your spot. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.